but there's a difference between being good and being that something which is supreme talent on top of extreme hard work you know the best thing he could have done at the end of enter the dragon was take three months to go lay on a beach somewhere and just recharge and he couldn't even do that and then uh, add on top of it extreme heat working like a dog all day and possibly some reaction to medication and i think you can see how things would go poorly a weapon to some degree can allow you to do things that other people cannot, but it can also push you into a mental space that's not always the best where other people don't go. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a double-edged sword, really. You should write at that line where you can do it, where you build up positive reinforcement and you build up self-esteem by seeing objective results you're achieving, but not so high that you're asking too much of your strength at that particular point in time. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. I'm super happy to have you guys here today. And I'm actually so excited for today's episode because I get to go back in time and explore my biggest role model and idol that I've ever had and and really kind of question a lot of things about him and uh, my ideas on him with an amazing human being, which I will introduce shortly. Before I do that, I just want to say thank you guys for being here. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I want to help a lot of people to become happy and successful, whatever that means to you. So please share this one with someone that needs to hear this message. Also, thank you to Remarkable. I have been writing down my goals since I was about 15 years old, which is 20 years now. Shit, I'm getting old. And uh, always pen to paper. And and now I've tried the Remarkable, which is a way of writing digitally, but it feels like you're writing in writing on pen to paper and I can read my favorite articles without any advertising or all of those lights that you see in all these screens nowadays. So I I really enjoy it. So if you are a little bit old school, but want to do it in a modern way, check out Remarkable. Without further ado, I have a legend here today. I would say a history legend. His name is Daniele Bolelli. He's an author, professor, martial artist, researcher. And, you know, his his way of exploring how life was before, especially in the martial arts world, has been so incredible. And if you haven't listened to The Drunken Taoist or History on Fire, please check it out. It's... Uh, it's just incredible. And today we're going to really dig deep into Bruce Lee, which is the legend of all martial arts. But not only that, of he's, he's a role model for, you know, the whole world, basically. So many kids that were small, that looked different, that had another way of looking at life, have become strong and, and, and found strength by, by, you know, reading the philosophy of Bruce Lee and watching his fights in the movies. And and now the real question is, was Bruce Lee happy? So without further ado, welcome, Daniele Bolelli. Thank you so much for having me. Much appreciated. 
Yeah, I, I've always, uh, like many of us, I've always loved Bruce Lee. I was introduced to Bruce Lee when I was a little kid. I you know, remember watching the movies and he played always a big part in like the very first book I wrote had a Bruce Lee image on the cover. There was, uh, ended up in a documentary where I got to meet Bruce's daughter and all of it. So Bruce Lee has been kind of a recurring theme throughout my life in one way or another. I always found these ideas and these philosophies fascinating. And um, and there's just something about the guy, right? Because, I mean, if you look at most of the Bruce Lee movies that half of the world has seen, objectively speaking, if you look at the screenplay, they're not good movies. You know, the screenplays are pretty much crap most of the time. <laughs> it's just that he's so... There's something about him, about his screen presence, about who he was, about that energy that he possessed that just came through the screen. And so even though, objectively speaking, the screenplay is the same that has been recycled for every other martial arts flick ever since, when he did it, it was different, you know, because there was just that that something about him that just transcended the material and uh, went through the screen. And, and I think that's one of the things that people always found fascinating was his own personal charisma, his intensity, his vitality. And all of that. So that's you know huge Bruce Lee fan. And now I'm um, for History on Fire. I'm preparing a Bruce Lee episode. I actually just finished writing it last night. Yeah. So I'll have it out in April. It's coming out soon. And I really kind of dug deep uh, into his life, into his biography, his all of his story, and so on. And so it's uh, all those things are extra fresh in my mind right now. Yeah, uh, that's that's exciting. And I think it's always fun because I study people. I think that's my main job, like study success. And that's why I meet people like you. I want to dig into the lives of people and try to learn something. And you're right. Bruce Lee had that charisma. Like when he walked into a room or on screen, it was like everybody know, knew he was there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah impossible to ignore that's for sure <laughs> you know there's a degree of intensity that normal people don't have is that something you're born with or something you can you are born with that i think it is i mean don't get me wrong like anything that's basically has some kind of natural talent you can work on it you can uh, you know work on improving something you have you can if you don't ever take care of it you can kind of accumulate dust on top of it yeah but it's either there or it's not <laughs> you know it's yeah. like and again you can mod whatever amount you have you can increase it a little or through neglect you can decrease it yeah but yeah. the amount is you know i can spend uh I can shoot as many basketball as Michael Jordan in my life, and I'm never going to be Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't, it's not about hard work. I can work just as hard, and I'll, I'll be a good player because if you work that hard, you will be good. But there's a difference between being good and being that something, which is supreme talent on top of extreme hard work. Yeah, that's, I think that's the kind of, that's so rare when you, when these people have, you have the talent, you have the charisma, but you also do the work on an intensity yeah. that no one does. I think that's yeah. so rare. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. Definitely. And that's what uh, that's what makes people... I mean, that's, I think, is the trick. And also, that's the tricky part regarding your original question about was Bruce Lee happy. Yeah. You need to be obsessive. 
in order to be phenomenal in any one field. And I don't mean good, because good, you don't have to be obsessive. You can be dedicated, that's enough. But to be really at the top of the game, to be Michael Jordan, to be Bruce Lee, you need to be absolutely obsessive. You need to have talent, and on top of it, you need to want to be the one who wakes up before everyone else, go to sleep after everyone else, and is grinding, grinding, grinding. Yeah, That's a recipe to success depending how we define success. At least performance. It's the definition. Yeah. yeah, it leads to performance. Yeah. The problem is that those qualities that make you great in one field, are they tend to be the same qualities that make it very hard for you to sit back and enjoy life. Yeah. Because you are constantly wanting to more, more, and grind, and attack, and hustle, and just do it all, and be on these... Uh, yeah, yeah, I did that. That was great. But the next thing is more important and the next and the next. And so generally speaking, you have, you know, we all operate between two poles. On one hand, you have the one who's just sitting under the tree all happy and the coconut fall into his arms. And he's like, look at that. And he's just <laughs> not exactly very motivated to get stuff done, just but content and at peace. Yeah. At the other extreme, you have the grind, 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 hard work. Now, never mind the fact that most people don't fit in either one of these, because most people are neither as happy and content as the happy Buddha under a tree or are as successful as the one who's pushing as hard as they can. Uh, most of them don't have either of these. So that would be a step up to at least embody one of those archetypes. Yeah. But even if you do, there's a problem, right? Because uh, in one case, it's like you're sweet, you're happy, you seem to enjoy life. But man, maybe a little fire under your ass wouldn't hurt to get something done. Yeah. And on the other hand, the people a la Bruce Lee, I don't think they can ever sit back and just relax and enjoy life. Yeah. It's just not in the DNA. It's like there's that degree of obsessiveness force you to constantly shoot for more. Yeah. which is great in terms of production, is not so great in terms of life enjoyment. Yeah. And in fact, there's one of his, uh, you know, you're talking about writing down goals. There's one that I dug up where in uh, 1969, I believe, um, he said, I, Bruce Lee, will be the first. He wrote this down before his success, right? Yeah. When it's still, this is a crazy long shot and there's no way he can pull it off. And here I... I, Bruce Lee, will be the first highest paid oriental superstar in the United States. In return, I will give the most exciting performances and render the best quality in the capacity of an actor. Starting 1970, I will achieve worldwide fame, and from then onward until the end of 1980, I will leave in my possession $10 million. I will live the way I please and achieve inner harmony and happiness. Now, clearly, in 1969, when Bruce Lee is basically nobody in terms of popularity, you know, a couple of people in Hollywood know who he is, but, you know, he's a bit player at best. Yeah. The odds, this is the talk of a crazy man. There's no way he's going to pull it off. They're just, yeah. you have to win the lottery five times in a row to pull that off, right? Yeah. And he does. He does achieve the worldwide fame. He does, had he lived long enough, he would have made even much more money than he even wrote down there. Yeah. He, he pulled that off to perfection. The last part, though, the I will live the way I please and achieve inner harmony and happiness, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened had he lived. 
Yeah, it's 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 crazy when you look at people like Bruce Lee, and I mean, I think he's the epiphany of like reaching your goals, right? And and changing the whole landscape of how a genre, like it's it's just unbelievable. But it's also the 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 question I'm asking because I'm trying to you know find what is real success. How do you uh, can you reach that level? unless you're crazy basically that's where it's theoretically maybe but it's such an insanely delicate balance that the odds of being able to maintain it are not easy yeah because uh because you're gonna naturally push either toward a little bit too much laziness or pushing too hard and it's the classic story. You know, you see people all the time who are mega successful and are miserable, who are not enjoying their life because they are, all they know is this idea of if I work hard, if I do this, I will achieve all this, this, that, and the other, and I will get to this place. Yeah. And then they get there and they are like, all they know is to keep hustling. They don't know how to, you know, get into that place was a mirage because there is no getting there and now you get to enjoy life. No, you're... All you know is to grind some more. It never ends, right? In a way. It never ends. Yeah. And in your research, did you did you find anything written about happiness and uh, things of that nature that he talks about? I mean, he really knew his stuff well. So he talked about, you know, the way he talks about there's a lot of his stuff is very Taoist philosophy driven kind of stuff. And he says everything right. You know, he talks about balance. He talks about this. He talks about that. It, you know, he clearly understood it. I think based on life circumstances and also his personality, that was a hard thing to pull off in practice. Now he died. He was 32 years old. So we can't ask the guy too much. You know, it's like, of course, you haven't figured out everything about life by the time you're 32 and you have this amazing, perfect balance with things that most people would never be able to handle. Yeah. So really the question is what would have happened had he lived another decade or two or three or more? And of course, nobody knows. You know, There's no way to tell. He was clearly, by the time he died, he was clearly struggling with that. He wasn't something that he had a clear answer to. He had, he had it in his mind. Yeah. You know, his mind understood it, but it didn't translate into practice. Yeah. But I think that's, isn't that from my research of successful people, it's pretty normal when you're growing and if you're playing at a very high level, you it takes five, 10 years for you to find that balance. And maybe he never reached that level because he died. Totally, totally. So it's very possible that he could have. He still... A hard thing like most people most forget most people not very successful people are not going to be able to find it yeah. but some will you know it's not to say that it's impossible it, it can be done it's just not easy because they can they are mutually contradictory quality the qualities that allow you to be obsessive enough to be that successful tend to be antithetical to the qualities that allow you to sit back and smell the roses <laughs> and just enjoy life yeah and I'm curious, like in your research, how, like, have you found any indication of what the driving force is to push yourself on a, such an extreme level? Because, I mean, 
we study, we both study a lot of fighters. And I mean, a lot of fighters push themselves to an extreme level. Sure, but I think this is, this is another level when you're almost like most people would have, you know, their body would have stopped long time ago so, for, and forced the rest, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, then we have Bruce Lee. Yeah. I think some of it really is something you have inside. It's like there's a line, um, I don't think it's the Hagakure. I think it's a commentary on the Hagakure by Yokio Mishima, where he talks about, you know, a lion chasing its prey and sometimes missing its prey because he runs past the prey. And it's because it's an excess of energy. And it's like, why is he doing it? Because it's a lion, you know, it's just there's just too much of that pent up energy that he has stored up all day and it's just exploding in. And in some cases, see, that's kind of the feeling you got from Bruce Lee, that he was going to do something phenomenal one way or another. And by phenomenal, I don't necessarily mean good, because in the wrong scenario, he may have been like a phenomenal gangster or a phenomenal, who knows, you know, not necessarily phenomenal in the sense, of, but something great on a great scale, on a big, intense scale. Um, whether that was good or bad, of course, that would depend. But clearly he had that energy, that drive, that intensity, that, yeah. you know, why are some people more intense than others? Sometimes, you know, you see them as kids and you're like, yeah, that kid is intense. Those other 15 <laughs> in the class are not. Why? Who knows? And, and again, whether that's good or bad remains to be seen because intensity by itself, it certainly... A weapon to some degree can allow you to do things that other people cannot, but it can also push you into a mental space that's not always the best where other people don't go. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a double-edged sword, really. It is. And, and what I'm trying to figure out is how you can, you were talking about these two personalities, right? Yep. How can you make them live in the same body? Uh, right. Because, I mean, and how can you know when to bring out which one, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I think that's the recipe for high performance. Yeah. I, I don't want to call it success because working till you die, it, I don't think that's being successful, but sure. it's high performance and also, you know, relaxation and, 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 and feeling free. Like, yeah. how, do you, have you found anywhere in your research how you can combine those? I mean, my guess is that the best process would be to be, you know, the same way as you write goals and you revise those on a regular basis to do that, you know, knowing that there are these two tendencies in all of us yeah. and that you need both to have an ideal life. Figure out where you're at naturally, which one do you gravitate toward more? Are you a little more on the lazy side or you're a little more on the overdriven side? Yeah. So naturally, if that's your personality, you're probably going to have to work a little harder at the other side to balance it out. Yeah. And then check, because maybe sometime now you have worked too hard at the other side, and now you are pushing in the opposite direction. So almost on a regular basis, whether it's daily or weekly or monthly, to kind of check in and see, where am I at? Yeah. Am I doing enough of the things that I want to do? Yes, no. Am I getting to enjoy life as much as I need to or want to? Am I, you know, and really, and recalibrate every so many days, weeks, months, recalibrate the focus. It's like, okay, I push too hard. Now it's time to really focus on relaxing. Yeah. Okay, I haven't done anything in a little too long. Now it's time to push a little harder and to constantly readjust in that way. Like I think is um, one thing that I did growing up in Italy, which I thought was genius as a way of, as a society to function, 
was the fact that everybody had a month off in summer and everybody would go off to the sea and just hang out by the beach for a month. And you just spend time on the beach, reading books, uh, swimming, doing, eating food, doing nothing really, just having a blast. And I think that's such an important mental reset for people to have. Like in the two weeks a year of vacation that people got in the US is it's nuts because in two weeks you barely have time to catch your breath and you're back at the grind before you know it. And you never have that moment where you really can afford to slow down, review your priorities, see what makes you happy and, and think about it. So I think carving for oneself those kind of times, those, those times when you step away from it all and really slow down, just go back to basics, enjoy. And at that point, think, where am I at? What do I want? I think it's so important. It's not even funny. Is there anything that struck you that you remember? Anything he wrote that that you want to share with us? His approach to um, the way which he broke with established martial arts styles was genius, you know, because he was something that few people articulated that well at that time. Few people articulate that well today, yeah. let alone back then, where he's essentially saying, and you know, you can see it as applied to martial arts, but really his point can be applied to philosophy, can be applied to politics, can be applied to religion and anything else. Yeah. He's saying any one school of thought, by definition, is not going to have all the answers. Yeah, Everything has strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And so the way decades, uh, you know, at least a couple of decades after Bruce Lee, uh, MMA proved that every martial arts style had some better advantages than disadvantages, but basically there was no perfect style that had it all. You had to take the best from different aspects and combine it together. Mm. He had been arguing this way, way before that. And again, he applied it to martial arts, but the same idea could be applied to anything. It's like people who are arguing about uh, politics, you know, if you find yourself that you think that every single good answer comes from one school of thought politically, you're probably delusional because that's not the way life works. Is there are, you know, maybe one is way better than another, but you're gonna find something that these other guys do well and they are good at, and you would do well to learn. And that's what Lee always advocated: is like don't. If you attach a label to yourself, if you belong to any one school, whether it's a school of thought or whether it's a martial arts style, you're doing a disservice to yourself as a human being because you're essentially shutting yourself to the possibilities of learning from other points of views. So rather than you having to be the guy who defend the orthodoxy of that one set of ideas, you should be the guy who just is a human being and who takes whatever is useful and whatever is good, wherever you can find it. doesn't matter where you find it. doesn't matter if uh, those guys have 30 bad ideas and one good one. Well, use the good one. If you found it, that's good. You don't need to buy into the other 30 crap ideas they have. Just use that one good one and mix it with those other five good ones that you find somewhere else and mix it with... And it's such a... Per I mean, it seems simple, except nobody does it. You know, in almost... Any field you look at, people are not that. They are invested into building an identity as I'm the representative of the liberals or the conservative or the Christians or the Muslims or the this or the that. Or no, judo is great. Karate sucks. No, it's the other way around. Karate is amazing. You guys, it's like Bruce Lee saying, just stop. 
it's not about that. It's about building a way of life that works for you, building a martial arts style that works for you, building a philosophy that works for you, building, and you do it as an individual by taking the best from multiple sources. And so his methodology, his famous four steps, you know, about research your own experience, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, and add what is specifically your own is exactly that. It's how good science should work, right? You look at the evidence, you see what works, you take it, you leave behind the stuff that doesn't work, and then you adapt it to your own individual personality. You add your own individual tweak to it. It's so theoretically simple, but again, so rare and so amazing to look at that kind of JKD philosophy of, uh, you know, having no limitation, having you don't stuck to a single way of doing things so that all ways of doing things are open to you. That is just, I wish people applied it to everything from politics to religion, to their personal life, to parenting style, to just everything. It's a uh, uh, I find it so liberating. I just believe, and again, he's not the first guy to ever say stuff like that, but he articulated it so well in such a public way that it's brilliant. Yeah, his philosophy is incredible, and 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 I wonder, maybe you know, where where do you think he found that inspiration and 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 those ideas? Because I know he studied philosophy. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if his mind somehow connected the dots together with martial arts, together with being in a new country, feeling different. I don't know. I mean, philosophically, most of his ideas are Taoism and Zen Buddhism, which are closely related to one another. Yeah. Krishnamurti adds this element of being sort of rejecting authority and creating your own path type of thing. And so a lot of his quotes are often paraphrases of Taoist sayings or these things. But but the genius there is that he took things that were ancient and adapted it perfectly to the world of the 1960s and 1970s. Yeah. You know, most people today, if you pick up the Tao Te Ching, I mean, you may be able to read a few lines here and there that make sense to you, but a lot of it is hard to... What is he trying to say? What's going on here? It's like, it's not that self. It speaks a language that's still a little. He adapted that to a modern context in a beautiful way. And I think a lot of what he used in that regard was the writings of Alan Watts, um, who was kind of, that's what he did, essentially. He took Taoist and Zen Buddhist ideas and modernized them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, borrowed from Alan Watts and ran with it and then adapted it to the martial arts and uh, yeah, phenomenal job at it. I like that, but it feels like every person that becomes a legend that Bruce Lee, that they're not doing that, that they're like shooting for the moon and the stars and they back it up somehow. Uh, like what's your opinion on that? Like, what do you think? Because they have the, that confidence, right? I mean, they do, but they do it through stages. You know, you want to be the greatest basketball player ever, you still need to make the high school varsity team. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, then you find out, uh, yeah, Jordan didn't make the team and that he has to go back and work even harder to get to. So there are 
steps along the way. You know, you are Bruce Lee, you have to play Kato on the Green Hornet, and you're playing essentially the chauffeur to the lead star. Yeah. But you do it so well that people go, damn, he was asked. So there are steps along the way. You don't show up and just go, I'm going to be the next James Dean, give me the greatest movie ever, and I'm going to act on it. He's like, what have you done? Nothing. He's like, go away. It's yeah. funny when you when you say that I started thinking about a quote of Bruce Lee. Let me see if I remember it. And he said something like, "There are no limits. It, there are only plateaus, and you must not stay there. You must go beyond them." Uh, so, and again, that's a delicate balance, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes you it goes back to that thing of being able to enjoy what you have, yeah. rather than constantly looking at the next corner versus being too stagnant and yes what Bruce Lee is saying and just staying at that plateau and never growing yeah there's a line in between those two right where you are yeah. moving but not with this anxiety of you I have to constantly grow 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 because you can never be happy with what you got but it's crazy though because when you look at life and like I I wonder is is happiness really a part of life? I mean, it are it is in our world, right? But because we are so high on the Maslow's level of like hierarchy, right? But essentially, life is a, is a is a fight. Sure. And ultimately, there is no win because everybody dies. Everybody dies. <laughs> Right, so it's like so. In that sense, you better find something fun along the way because it's not a fight that anybody wins. Yeah, it's a fight that you can win for a while. Good for you, but does it really matter how long you win? It for you know, it's yeah. I I would like to end with this quote from Bruce Lee that I that I really like, and uh, he said, "If I should die tomorrow, I will have no regrets. I did what I wanted to do, and you can't expect more from life." I used that, in fact, in the episode because it was kind of the counterbalance to the more rougher side of his success story. Yeah. And and that's just as true. You know what I mean? He did what he wanted to do. And he was a phenomenal life. He was brief, but he was phenomenal. Yeah. He achieved, you know, so much in so little time and such a positive impact on the lives of so many people. Yeah. Really, we are nitpicking if we yeah. start going, yeah, that life is not ideal yeah. because, you know, it's like, yeah, sure he wasn't, but he was fantastic. But I think that's actually beautiful because we're taking down the myth of Bruce Lee and, and, and talking about him as a human, you know, someone that's next to you and are, are helping you, pushing you to become better. And I think that's, I, I got that realization right now because I think, isn't that what you want? Like a brother or a father, yeah. someone that's yeah. on your side? You don't need a legend in order to, to be stronger. You need no, that's, that's why, in the corner. Yeah, that's why looking at all this stuff for me did not diminish my respect or admiration for Bruce Lee one tiny bit. Yeah. You know, to me, it just makes it more real, more yeah. like this is this is reality. This is not like some Hollywood image of Bruce Lee. This is who the guy was. Yeah. And for the most part, fantastic. Of course, he had a struggle. Of course, he didn't all figure it out. Who did? You know, how many people can we think of as like, yeah, that's the perfect life. It's like, it's all a a testing of like trying to find a balance. But, you know, absolutely no. In fact, none of these reduce my level of admiration, not even a tiny bit. Awesome. So any, if people want to find you, Daniele, uh, where can they find you and where can they listen to, to your shows? 
so um, History on Fire, there are a bunch of old episodes are on all podcast platforms, and then the newer ones are just uh, behind the paywall on Luminary. It's pretty cheap, but, you know, it's like, I don't know, I forgot what it is, like four bucks a month or something. Oh, wow. but that's it's, that's uh, you put in a lot of work. People should know like how much work you put in. I mean, yeah, it should be forty dollars, I think, at least. Yeah, it's a full time job. It's yeah. uh, you know under fifty to hundred hours before behind each episode kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the Bruce Lee one, however, that one, you know, one thing that Luminary we set up as a contract thing is that twice a year I do release episodes for free that go on all podcasting platform for free. Yeah. And the Bruce Lee one is going to be one of those. So that's coming out in April. I'm going to do, I'm expecting it's a long thing. It's probably like three, four hours, something like that to go through his life. Can't and that's going to be so one giant episode that come out on all platforms in April. Wow. Can't wait. And yeah, Google Daniele Bolelli. If you don't know him, I've had so many great comments from friends, audience, uh, people watching my show that, you know, uh, you were on the show, I think it's a year ago now, a little bit more and told you stories. You guys can go back if you want to learn more about uh, an incredible human being. Thank you for sharing your research with, with Bruce Lee. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, thank you all for being here with us. And if you want to help us spread this message, Please share this episode with somebody that needs to hear this message right now. It could be anyone. It's not only martial artists. Bruce Lee, he, he had a way of touching people from all walks of life. Uh, so we are super appreciative of this episode. And uh, yeah, uh, if you need us, check us out at ilovesuccess.co. There's more than 230 episodes right now. Uh, I, I think this was actually one of the best ones and a conversation that I've just been waiting to have basically all my life and talk about Bruce Lee. So uh, this meant a lot to me. Uh, thank you so much, Daniele. Thank you, everybody. And talk to you next week.